0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Hey everyone, it's Andy Bueller, high school sports reporter and host of the Scorebook Live Today podcast. So the coronavirus has shut down schools and halted high school sports, but we're taking things up a notch in hopes to help during this time of great uncertainty. Each day, we're releasing a special episode of this podcast called Dickow's Quarantine Series, where our own Dan Dickow interviews an expert in their respective field, from coaches to trainers, authors to uh, former standout athletes. Subscribe to this podcast for free, and please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Let's keep everyone safe by washing your hands and following the Governor's stay-at-home mandate. We're just as excited for high school sports to return as you are. Here's Dan Dickow after a word from our sponsor. Are you a small business impacted by the coronavirus? Washington Federal is here to help. Washington Federal is a proud sponsor of Scorebook Live and it's offering a five-year business line of credit with 90 days interest for free to businesses that have seen a 10% or greater drop. Apply now to receive up to $200,000 on business lines of credit. The folks at Washington Federal understand small businesses may need an emergency loan. They're doing their best to help during this global pandemic. If you're a small business owner who needs help, head to wafdbank.com to apply. Questions? Email business.lifeline at wafd.com.
2: Nick out scorebook live washington today's podcast during the quarantine series if you've been following what we've been doing we've had guests uh in a number of different aspects of sports whether it's the business side of sports maybe you're an author uh strength coach uh, a number of different coaches at all different levels have joined today we've got a coach who has um, a tremendous amount of experience at all levels at the college game Um, originally from tacoma uh, we welcome R.J. Barsh, who's currently an assistant coach at Boise State, uh, to the podcast today. R.J., thanks for joining. How's everything going in Boise?
0: Man, like you said, quarantine life, but uh, Boise is a beautiful place. And so it's it's uh, it's going good, man, here with my baby boy and my family. So taking advantage of, of some of that family time uh, during this uh, crisis, you know? You know, that's one thing that a
2: lot of people want say they want to get into college coaching, but they don't understand the grind, the time commitment. Um, They would think, or they would expect that NCA tournament's over. You're just going to sit and relax. And that typically is not the case. That's almost many times your busiest time of year. Um, But it's different this year because of everything that's going on in the world. Explain to somebody what a typical college basketball uh, calendar looks like for a coach like yourself.
0: So, right. I mean that, we don't really believe in a calendar <laughs> in a sense. It's um, what the NCAA tells you when you can go out and recruit and when you can see guys, you kind of follow, you follow that. That's that's your Bible. That's your calendar. But at all times with the transfer market and JUCO kids and, uh, and uh, high school kids even ready to come out and be more mature, I mean, if you don't have a board in your office that has 15, 20 guys that you're checking on every day or new guys you're looking for, then uh, then you're in trouble. So, typical, my typical morning, you know, the first thing I do once I get in the office is, I mean, you're going down your list of guys. You need to contact AU coaches, high school coaches, parents, and that happens when you can recruit them, call them, whatever. You just always are planning ahead for uh, uh, potential things that happen on your roster. And there's some good things like, you know, Derek Austin, you know, uh, uh, announcing to go for the draft uh, uh, last week. And so now, if he gets drafted, we need another guy who's very good to step into that role. And so, if we weren't recruiting a bunch of guys early, we'd be in trouble. But by the grace of God, that's part of your schedule. Uh, and then, usually, the travel, man. Like, you travel throughout the year, of course, going to games with your team and, and whatnot. But what people don't see is, when we when, when you look at your schedule and you see oh I got a buy here I have a buy here well that buy means I mean there's one trip where we went to New Mexico we flew there and right after the game I'm on another plane flying to to uh, 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 Phoenix I got to go down to Dallas and I got to get to Phoenix and that was a, and that's normal like that's typical it would be it would be normal it would not be normal for all of us to get on the plane and go home together <laughs> yeah and so it's like it's, it's understanding to man, manage your time travel. And then understanding your role as a coach. My role is player development. So, uh, yeah, we have practice for an hour, two and a half hours a day. But there's also about six hours throughout that day where I'm doing one-on-one things with my players. And so if you got a guy who's great at 6 a.m., then I'm great at 6 a.m. But then you have a guy who has class from 4 to 6.30, and we practice at 1, well, it's going to be better for him to go at 9 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. And so your schedule—you, I mean—you really are at the mercy of uh, how good you want to be and how much you want to sacrifice and schedule. Uh, you got to be organized, and I learned that being at the NAI level, uh, um, not having a staff my first couple years, taught me uh, uh, the the importance of time management. And then uh, I ask myself this question all the time: What's the what's the one thing I can do today that brings the biggest value to our program a year from now? And that's the thing that I would focus on. Like, if, if I didn't do anything else today, what is the most important thing? And, and sometimes that would be go rebound for Justinian. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know, I love that, uh, that phrase, what can I do today that's going to have the biggest impact uh, a year from now, whether it's a basketball team, a program, whether that's your own individual career, uh, that, that is so true. And I think that's that's a, a great nugget that student-athletes, coaches, parents Uh, can put in their back pocket and just think on uh, at different times you touched on being at the NAIA level and the fact that you had to wear so many hats and kind of control uh, schedules and and be very organized I don't think enough current high school players coaches and parents understand just how good the basketball is at every other level besides division one everybody thinks division one division one if you don't make it Unfortunately, you're not a success, and I don't view that at all. You look at there's really good Division two programs. There's great Division threes. Two of them in the state of Washington, Whitworth and Whitman, are tremendous. Uh, and then NAI, just right down the road uh, in Lewiston, is Lewis and Clark State. Yeah. So, yeah, tell us how good NAI basketball is.
0: Now, I mean, I can go all the way back to being D three. I mean, when I got I I got hurt at Central Washington, and then I transferred to. Puget Sound as a student assistant I tried to play but my back really didn't work out I mean we were at Sweet 16 Elite 18 in Tacoma Washington on the other side of 6th Ave like with guys that could Chase Curtis you know some guys that could really really play um at the NAI level let me tell you in my seven years I had 18 Division 1 and Division 2 transfers all right seven of them started for me so just think about that. Like people think, oh, you're coming, you're dropping down, you're going to start. Didn't always work out that way. Washington guys will know the name Dre Winston. Uh, Dre Winston played at Lakes. Then he went to uh, had, he went to Washington State. Go look up. Go look up what Dre Winston did in the state tournament when he was at Lakes High School. Well, Dre Winston came down and played for me for a year. Took us to the conference championship conference championship game and uh, dropped 40 uh, and uh, played you know high level. The team, that I, the team that I took to the uh, – the last team we took to the tournament, I won a conference championship. Every single starter on that team uh, logged Division I minutes as a starter the year before from Southeast Missouri, Charleston, Southern, East Carolina. And so the talent level is, is the guys are ready to play. They're ready made to play because the opportunity exists there. And I think another thing people forget about when you're doing the NAI thing is you don't have to sit out. So it's very it's very appealing to a high school a JUCO kid or a, or a Division one player who wants to transfer. You can transfer and come play right away. And uh, I would I would encourage some of these parents if you're listening, that go look at some of these facilities: College of Idaho, uh, Lewis and Clark, uh, um, Southern Oregon, Vanguard. Go look at some of these facilities, and you will be blown away. at at what's at what at what's offered and then at the end of the day the reason i was successful there is because the entry levels to get in academically are lower like there's opportunities to really help young men get in and help i've had got had three guys who couldn't pass sat and i was able to get them in school they had to sit the first semester now take this out one of them got his he set out now he's got his graduate degree and he's a teacher like you know um that's why I love the NAI level, but as far as like the the skills and the, man, I'm I'm at Boise State right now and I'm watching some teams we play early and I'm thinking my point guard is better than that guy. <laughs> and it just you know a lot of it is, a lot of it is about space and opportunity, you know, uh, space and opportunity.
2: Hey, uh, opportunity is always something that um, if you're prepared for it, you can take advantage of it and you can change your world. You can change. Your program in a matter of no no time if you're ready for that opportunity. There's one other aspect of the NAI that I think uh, could spur the NAI to make another big jump in being um, more appealing to more kids. Um, you and I touched on it really quickly before before we started recording the podcast. Is the fact that they're doing away with the Division One and the Division Two aspect of the NAI and they're just bringing it all together. Uh, what does that mean, and, and how is that going to impact the NAI?
0: Ultimate game changer, simply because um, all all the NAI Division One, Division Two. The only difference was your institution determining the level of scholarships you give, right? So a Division One can give, I think, ten or eleven, and the Division Two, the max, I think, was six, right? And so what they're doing is when they merge, you're going from like two divisions of a hundred and something to now one division of almost two hundred and I think. 50, 60 teams, right, across the country. We'll have a tournament of uh, 32, right, and they'll have the regional sites and whatnot. But I think the thing that changes the game is there's some schools in there that have consistently beat D1s. You got Georgetown in Kentucky who has who has literally won a couple national titles. And what, what it's going to do to this landscape is it's going to put the brand – in front of other kids that they have the people haven't seen because the 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 monster got bigger, which means um uh what do you call it sponsorship dollars are coming so the the rebranding is getting ready to happen and unfortunately with the with the uh with the coronavirus, this was going to be the launch this summer of the new n a i basketball and it would have took the world by storm I think basketball wise a u coaches would have loved it because now you got all these new scholarships that came available you got yeah hope. Oh, you know, some leads getting 15, 20 new scholarships, right? That, that is, that was going to enhance the brand because it's going to give a lot of people opportunity.
2: That's awesome to hear more opportunities for kids to, to extend their athletic playing career, but also to get an education that can uh, propel them to uh, do whatever they want, get into coaching like yourself, become a teacher, such as the other example you shared. Uh, You grew up in the Tacoma area. Um, there's been some really good basketball over the years in different pockets of the state. But I think Tacoma uh, has had some really good guards. You look at Isaiah Thomas, Abdul Gatti, um, Avery Bradley. I'm sure I'm missing some guys. Yeah. When you look at Tacoma as a former player and
0: now a coach, what brings you pride? Um, attitude and work ethic. Like you, you when you leave Tacoma, there's a sense of I got to do this – and I gotta be known as a worker because that's our that's our that's our resume, that's our mentality. You know, uh, you step on the floor and it's like a boxing ring. Like for some reason, all us Tacoma guys grew up around the sport of boxing, right? And Al dudes had to, so it was something we always saw. So that competitive nature of I can't I can't lose by my work ethic. If I lose some other way, that's fine. But I'm gonna be I'm gonna work so hard to be so confident when I step out there that something good's gonna happen. And uh, I think it struck fear in players when they would have to play against a guy from Tacoma because it, it felt that way, especially when they when they left Tacoma. And I see it all the time now, I man. Heck, we had to play against one twice this year named Malachi Flynn. And and it's just you know I watched, I remember watching him grow up in, in in the back gym and hanging out with his with his older brothers and his sisters and stuff like the 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 accountability that that players who have made it put on the young guys. Is what happens. Isaiah Thomas did something a couple of years ago where he had probably like 20 of the top seventh, eighth, and ninth grade boys over to his house. And I believe he had Jamal over there, a couple other guys, and, he, and Isaiah talked to him about if you do the work, this is what can happen for you. I'm not sure that's happening that other, in other cities for NBA players. And in that room, you had Ahmad Rory, David Chris, Malachi Flynn. Phil Winston. I mean, he had all these guys that ended up being really, really good players, and so I think the separator is we compete with each other, but when it, when you lead Tacoma, it's a uh, it's a family, and people know that.
2: I think that's something that's so great about the state of Washington and, and uh, the the players that have come out of here is they're so supportive and they're they're pulling for each other. I mean, uh, I recorded an interview with Jamal Crawford, similar to what we're doing now, uh, that's set to release. Uh, very soon and he was listing names of guys just like what you talked about now and how he stays in touch with guys motivates guys Um, you know guys on the east side of the state here in Spokane they pull for each other but we're always keeping an eye on the west side guys and when they get to a certain level uh, they want guys to have success Uh, it's it's really unique I'm, I'm not sure there's any other pocket in the country that really is kind of supportive of each other at the high school level as it is in the state of
0: Washington. Coach, I am without Jamal Crawford. People will never understand that because he had the summer league, right? Yeah, pro summer league, and I'm a young coach at, at JUCO, right? And I and I want to coach as much as possible. I want head coaching reps, right, because this is my goal. And I would go down to Rainier Vista, and I would rebound for these guys and work them out because I wasn't trying to play. I was young, and I had the back injury, so I just wanted to be around. When he started his league, I was like, you know, maybe I'll, I'll help him be like an assistant coach. You know, they probably got all these guys, whatever, whatever. And the guy who I worked with, his name was Rob. He was like, I want you to be the head coach. And I was like, man, this is great. So I'm on the sideline, and I'm coaching. I got Terrence Williams sometimes on my roster. I got Nate Rob sometimes. And I got all these dudes, and I'm standing there twice a, twice a week all summer Saturday and Sunday coaching in the pro end. And then we won it back to back one year where we're just – and I'm coaching these high-level games with these big reps and just like – and I'm thinking like those reps gave me so much confidence. if Jamal doesn't say, yeah, man, he can come, he can coach, he can do it, he's a young guy, he is, where else is he going to get his reps? You know, um, I don't know if I had the confidence to go to Southeastern from Tacoma Community College. But I had those head coaching reps for four years. I stayed on the sideline and coached pros who would cuss me out if I did something dumb or sold them out or couldn't draw up a play. And then they would listen like, man, you got to be able to do this, bro. And I'm like, man, I'm learning, I'm learning. But they kept it real with me. And so, like, Jamal, yeah, man, Jamal, and he's still texting to this day when something good happens. He's like, "Man, keep doing what you're doing, bro. Like, that's. That, that's rare it's a rare trait and when the man when the man of the state's doing that you got no choice but to follow follow suit if you if you have a pro
2: yeah I, I I love the uh the stories of how guys are so interconnected across the state uh with their basketball and coaching careers uh last question before I let you go um coaching mentor um you probably played for or worked for good coaches and bad coaches is there one that sticks out to you and what he's meant to your career?
0: Yeah, there's there's one that sticks out. Uh, it's Carl Howe at a TCC. Uh, now he's at Skagit Valley. Um, I'm gonna give you two. So, so Carl Howe sticks out because uh, he gave me my first opportunity. And um, he's the one that told me, you need to know how to do everything, right? So when I took the job at TCC, you know that night before, in my head, I think I'm coming to coach basketball, right? I'm coming to be in the gym all day, and there's paperwork stuff and the laundry and the travel. I'm, not, I didn't it doesn't even cross your mind. And then you walk in, you walk in and you sit down. And he's like, we don't get to get in the gym until we get our travel and our schedule. And he made me learn how to do those things. He did not, he did not give me the. Here's the process. He says, don't go figure it out. And I'm so glad I worked for someone like that first because it, it, it molded me to, to uh, take advantage of learning opportunities. And then just, you know, our relationship has been through a lot, and he's always had my back and always supported me. And the dude's a winner, and so, you know, I like to stay around guys like that. The second guy is uh, a guy named Stan Jones at Florida State, associate head coach at Florida State. When I first got out to Florida, uh, then I called every Division I head coach and assistant coach, everyone. And Division II assistant coaches. I didn't call the Division II head coaches. I called all the assistant Division II head, uh, assistant coaches on my drive from Lakeland, from from Tacoma to Lakeland. It's about three or four day drive. I called every single one. Uh, the coach that called me back was Leonard Hamilton and Stan Jones from Florida State. And just think about that. And Stan Jones was like, "I appreciated your voicemail. I wouldn't research you. I want to help you out." And so me and him are talk three or four times a week. He's coached that with Coach Ham for I think 18 years. He's been with Coach Ham, and he started his career in a high school gym. And Coach Ham saw the talent and came and grabbed him, and that's how he became a Division One coach. And so our stories are similar to where Coach Rice came and grabbed me at a place that most guys don't go get D1 coaches. And so, and I felt like I was ready because Stan Jones will. We'll watch some of my games and say you need to change the way you're getting back on D. That's not going to help you win against a good team. We need to do this. So, a, ta- a tactical uh, uh, mentor and then a man of God and a man that that lives the right way that I want to model myself after. So that that was huge for me to see someone at, at the highest level and people knew who he was based on his his, his values. Because I see a lot of guys feel like I, I always think if I got that level I had to change. I got I can't say this I can't say that, and he always tell me if you build your reputation the right way here. When you get your job, people respect who you are. And so I think phrases like that really, really, really help. And he, he we played them three times, and they have really helped my program. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those two tremendous mentors. I know Carl uh,
2: a little bit. He's a big supporter of Scorebook Live, what we do. But that was great to hear about uh, co- assistant coach at Florida State. So, RJ, I appreciate the time uh, on our Scorebook Live Washington Today podcast. Wish you nothing but the best of luck over at Boise state. And, uh, I know it's hard to do, but keep Leon rice in check as best you can.
0: Can I ask you one question? Absolutely. What, when you, when, when you transferred right in college, what was the hardest part of doing that? I think the hardest part of of deciding to transfer at the
2: time is the uncertainty of, of, because I was hurt, the uncertainty of is there going to be a school that, that wants me or, or if, that I will fit into, Um, you know, uh, because at that time, there wasn't a lot of transferring going on in the college game.
0: You were like one of the few guys that.
2: Yeah. So it was rare to transfer uh, at that time. It was 1999, left UW to to transfer. And there was only two schools that I reached out to. Um, And this is, I think, unique that a lot of people in the state of Washington that follow high school basketball don't realize uh, who are also Husky fans is the two coaches that I uh, sent a release to, to try to, to go to Gonzaga, because all my buddies, Richie Fromm, Casey Calvary, those guys were having success. They just came off the elite eight and St. Louis. Guess who was the head coach of St. Louis? Lorenzo what? Romar. Wow. Cause he recruited me in high school when he was at Pepperdine. And I remember developing a great relationship with him. I trusted him. I believed in him and lo- lorenzo we had the phone conversation i remember it clear as day he said hey i'd love to get you out to st louis for a visit i think this would be a great place for you but what i want you to do first go to gonzaga take your your visit i guarantee you it's the perfect spot for you if it's not the perfect spot and you don't commit give me a call on monday we'll get you out to st louis you can check us out i committed on my visit to gonzaga it was the perfect fit." Uh, that we can that that could have ever been out there and so it worked out perfectly and to this day i owe a tremendous amount of or i have a tremendous amount of respect
0: for coach romar because of that wow i mean that's a, that's a great story good for coaches here and players here too now because when that when you go when you go in the port, if you were to go in the portal now <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, there's a guy who got hit from you know 29 schools, and you had some that were in the top 10 in the country, and you had some that hadn't been in the tournament in 30 years. So it's like the, the the decisions guys have to make now when they go in the portal very very difficult. And everybody's not like Romar; they're not gonna, you know, uh, put their integrity out there like that. But I always wanted to ask you that question because I remember watching your career, and I was thinking, I wonder what he went through when he transferred because it was it wasn't it wasn't happening a lot. So I know people were saying things, and 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 and, and, and it was cool to see you still keep your integrity from afar not knowing you, and then seeing you still uh, the success you're having today because of those things so I always wanted to ask you that question
2: well I appreciate it thanks a lot I appreciate you joining uh look forward to seeing Boise State again next year at some point during my broadcast travels but uh thanks again and uh have yourself a great and safe
0: day you too